When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. All right, Spectres, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here as usual with my good buddy, N7, the legend, Sam. What's up? How you doing, friend? I'm doing fantastic. Again, as always, happy that we can do this ahead of the next patron chat. We had to delay our last episode. Um, so happy to be back and talking about some great Mass Effect lore. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes real world things get in the way of, you know, the good times, the podcasts, the video games. But, you know, you just got to got to roll with it. So uh, what are we talking about today? What's what are we doing? <laughs> so what are we doing here today? is kind of a special episode because we are going to wrap up the races of mass effect. We've talked about the, uh, the intelligent races of mass effect now for close to what, um, ever since episode seven. So, and we're yeah. on, we're on episode number 21 right now. So 14 weeks, right? The intelligent races, the lesser, but still intelligent races, the very highly intelligent races, everything in between. <laughs> Hence why we left out humanity. Uh, yeah, we didn't talk about humanity at all. <laughs> we have not spoken about humanity. I We'll talk more about humanity when we get into the factions, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but tonight, tonight we are talking about two races from the Andromeda Galaxy who were never seen before. Players jumped into the Helios Cluster in MEA. One of them is expressive, spiritual, and generally friendly to the player. And the other is a highly militarized race hell-bent on assimilating everyone <laughs> in a type of pseudo-religious way. Awesome. Awesome. They sound cool. They are. Uh, they, I think some some fans are bigger fans of these races than others, certainly. Uh, I think most of the Mass Effect fan base probably hasn't played enough of Andromeda to gain a really deep appreciation of these two races. But of sure. course we are talking about the Angara and the cat. Right. Okay. So you have, you have your little phrases that you use for each of the races. What, what are your phrases for these two? So for the Angara, I would say vive la resistance. <laughs> Wait, they're <And> French. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know what? Come to think of it. Like if any race in the Milky way, were going to be French beside the Asari. Uh-huh. I think because the Asari are arguably British, but <laughs> beside okay. the Asari, it would it would probably be the Angarans. Um and for the Ket, my phrase is a matching phrase. It's resistance is futile. Which is funny because when you were describing them earlier, I, I definitely got like a Borg kind of feeling yes. about the description. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. One hundred and ten percent. And we will dive into that All right. uh, as we talk about them. All right. So um yeah, so why don't we just go ahead and dive in? 
Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the biology. Angara, the Angara are a bipedal uh, humanoid race. They have legs very similar to a quarian. I think it's interesting to note that bipedal um, intelligent life proliferated in a galaxy outside of the Milky Way, too. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we quickly catch on to in Andromeda because the Angara are actually the only race aside from the Ket that we meet in the Andromeda galaxy who are native to the Andromeda galaxy and they're intelligent. This isn't to say that no other races exist, but at least in mass effect Andromeda, they are the only ones we meet. So their skin color ranges from blue to purple to green and, and sometimes even tan biologically. They present with two genders, male and female. They're kind of human looking. Uh, and I say that because not really. So <laughs> if you were to just take it at face value, you know, the, their, their genders, their, their bipedalism, humanoid body. Well, they might sound like they look human, but they have two eyes and their eyes are black. The sclera is black mm. and they have blue irises. And their distinctive characteristics are really the thick folds of what looked like to be muscle on the sides of their neck. And it creates a type of mane appearance, like a lion's mane. And these manes extend from their scalp all the way to their chest. Right. You know, to me, these of everything that we've seen in a Mass Effect game, these look the most like they would be at home in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely do. Um, I'm not even sure what qualities about them really uh, give well, I, I, that idea. But, I mean, but you've it's got like true. the, uh, who, are, who are they? The um, What's the race with the tubes coming off their heads uh, in Star Wars? Um, somebody's going to yell at me. You've asked me too quickly now. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Alice Cura is, is one of them. Um, right, right. Um, yeah. But you have, you have different races with funny different things coming off their heads and things like that. That's one of the qualities of different Star Wars races that tend to be I mean, I mean, lots of different sci-fi. The Twi'leks, yes, the Twi'leks. Thank you, chat. Um, sp- Spinotherix, Spinotherix. I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right. In chat, was able to throw that out there. Uh, but that's you know, Star <laughs> Star Trek. You have all the different races. They tend to have different things on their foreheads, right? That was the whole thing about like every race in Star Trek just has a different thing on their forehead, but they all look human otherwise. Um, Star Wars. Everybody has just kind of a funny, different shaped head. <laughs> you're like yeah. and then of course they have different bodies and things too it's not that simple. cheaper to get masks right you know, cheaper Absolutely. to get head prosthetics right so you yeah. have head prosthetics so some of them have funny lips and some have elongated heads some of them have things coming out of their heads um but yeah these guys kind of look like that right like they just have like a full head suit on yes yeah they, they do um they also you know with the small exception of their legs Bowing backward like Corian likes. Yeah, right. I'd say right. that's true. They originated on a planet named Havarl, which is a twilight jungle moon. It's not an actual planet. It's a satellite of a gas giant. And this is where they originated, um, which is interesting to note, because as far as I know, this is the only intelligent race in Mass Effect that originated on a moon. Mm-hmm. Um the game tells us that they are hardy and that and they thrive in harsh environments, but it doesn't really explain much beyond that in terms of how. And some of the reasoning there might be because I'm not I'm not going to chalk it up to lazy writing, but some of the re- reason there might actually be because the Angara 
were created by another race. Mm. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a little bit. But if they were created by another race, which is now non-existent, the Jardin, that would explain why they themselves have a lot of uh, questions about their creation and and why and, and how and things like that. Um, they produce an intense bioelectrical field and they can use it to communicate. So they have fine-tuned control over this bioelectrical field. And, and speaking of electrical fields, they're really reliant on sunlight. Without the electromagnetic radiation from sunlight, Angara will quote-unquote go dark, which makes them generally weak and more easily sick. If, if it continues, if they don't get sunlight soon, they can enter comas and even die eventually, which is pretty extreme. That is extreme. I mean, humans need sunlight too. We, get, we go through like vitamin D deficiencies, but we're not that susceptible. You know, like we, we uh, there's even been studies done that we heal from diseases. So like, I mean, we're in the middle of the COVID epi- epidemic, right? Like if you have COVID and you're in a hospital room, keep your blinds open in your windows more. It actually will in studies, you heal faster from diseases through sunlight exposure, which is kind of interesting. Um, it, it is interesting that, that the sunlight would be so uh, key to the evolution of, of this different race too, in a completely different galaxy. Yeah. And, um, and it's, but like, it's like turned up to 11. Like yes. they, they need it. Like it's beneficial to us. They need it. It's really interesting that they, that they so desperately need it because they, they originate on a jungle planet, which is kind of like an, in an eternal twilight zone. Like it's never too bright on Havarl. I think mm-hmm. uh, part of that, I guess could be because of the scourge that is going through the Andromeda galaxy when the initiative appears there, but I don't think so. I don't think that's why mm. there's a twilight atmosphere there. Mm. Um, I wonder personally how this um, dire need for sunlight would affect their st- their stellar colonization efforts, uh, because you can't really spend too long aboard a ship or in the void of space if you're in such desperate need of that, right? Unless you can synthesize it um, through other means. Like, what is it specifically about the sunlight that they need? And can you do uh, some sort of, um, you know, pseudo sunlight source? Yeah, and they actually do. I think it's part of the lore that they can recreate sunlight through different UV lights and things like that. So maybe they would need a specific room aboard their starships with UV lights all surrounding the room or windows, which allow in a certain level of solar radiation without it being fatal. Sure. Um, maybe they would just work in UV lights a- around the ship. Uh, I'm not sure how that would work, but yeah. um, I'm sure they would find a way. Um, some other interesting things to note about the Angara are that they have different taste buds than all of the other species in the Milky Way. So according to Jal, the Angara squad mate in Mass Effect Andromeda, Milky Way food tastes very bland. And in fact, the Angara are immune to extreme tastes like capsaicin, which is, of course, very spicy um, to humans anyway. Mm -hmm. According to PB, the Asari squad mate in Mass Effect Andromeda, Angaran food smells great, but tastes awful. (laughs) 
Well, I guess you have to just have the right taste buds for it. Maybe you can't actually taste the good flavors. <laughs> so uh, when I was reading this, I was thinking my first thought was dogs, right? Dogs love strong smelling things. Yeah. That's and my so joke with my wife is that like humans, we, we have like a range of like good to bad, right? And everything in between dogs, like dogs, like, does it have a smell or flavor? Yes or no. If yes, good. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. It. It's weak or strong, strong, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all. So maybe Angara are a little bit like dogs in that respect. <laughs> that they just appreciate very strong flavors, no matter what they are. Yeah, um, right. Mm, but boy, do strong, I have good. some mm. recommendations for them. They got to try some Malort. Uh, <laughs> if you've never had Malort. Uh, it's a type of alcohol. So if you're old enough, go try it and thank me later. Mm. Um, mm. That's a joke. You're not going to thank me. You'll throw up. <laughs> um, it's awful. Uh, but enough about uh, Angara and their tastes. Let's talk about the cadet, the, the cadet, the, the cat for the second. I can't even say their name. Who am I? Why am I on this episode? But <laughs> the cat are also bipedal with backward bowing legs, similar to the Koreans and the Angara. So interesting link here, but humanoid bodies, nonetheless, they're covered in a very hard bone exoskeleton that functions as natural armor, but it also looks like they have an endoskeleton too. So fuck it. Two skeletons. Uh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So wait, 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 wait. Um, like a deer has a skeleton, but also can grow antlers that are effectively made out of keratin or what, whatever, right? Like, like we have teeth that are part of our skeletal system that come out of our body. Like we grow nails out of our, like they just, it like, to me, it looks like it, you know what it looks like to me? It looks like they are growing, um, uh, like, they, like, they, like they spent too much time not moving underwater and fish started like, <laughs> Yes, it looks like they are covered in coral like they're yeah, like like they have a coral growth around them. And then, you know, after, you know, 60 years being underwater, all of a sudden they woke up and started to decide to climb out of the ocean. They would look oddly at home on Davy Jones ship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I think the seafoam green atmosphere that they got going on with their architecture their skin their starships and everything totally fits that mold too yeah so yeah. uh new addition to pirates of the caribbean the cadet the cadet i just did it again the cat the cadets <laughs> <laughs> um there's very clearly some link to the angara in the way that the cat look you can see it in their face very obviously but beyond that the cat don't have genders and in fact they don't have reproductive organs at all. Well, that's so, a real bummer. Sorry to all of you who had it bad for the cadet, the, the cat. <laughs> one of these, one of these times, I'm going to get it right in the first time. Anyway, sorry to all of you who who had it bad for the cat. It probably looks like they have nothing going on down there, like a Ken doll. <laughs> so maybe that's because they don't need genders or organs reason for that is they don't reproduce sexually they only reproduce through a process ominously called exaltation uh what <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh so you remember you mentioned the borg earlier this is kind uh -huh. of where it comes into play here uh -huh. 
So exaltation is the name that the Ket give to assimilating other races, genetic material into their own. The Ket began adding beneficial genes from other species into their own genome to chase genetic perfection or what they call harmonization. This is like a really, like the really creepy dude at the bar. Who's like hitting on you. And is like, Hey baby, we should make an awesome next generation because we both have perfect genetics. Like why don't you take your eugenics somewhere fucking else? I don't know. Sounds like a religious experience. This sounds like, like, Hey baby, why don't you come over to my place? Because I'm going to show you heaven. Like, yeah, why don't you come get exalted? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> now okay. The first three, the first three Mass Effect games, we know that I obviously haven't played them nearly as much as you have, but I'm familiar with a lot of that stuff. This one, Andromeda, I bounced right off of. I was like, <laughs> I played played about an hour, and I was like, I don't know if I can be middle schoolers <laughs> through an entire game, and I just haven't had the time to jump back in. So, all of this stuff is absolutely brand new to me. And we're going to get a review where somebody's like, why is that guy even on the show? But it's kind of fun to be the guy who asks you the questions about exaltation. So is this like, is this like a religious thing for them? It very much is. Okay. So, so it's, it makes sense. It's definitely a, a ritual. Okay. Got it. And the facilities that they build for quote unquote ascending races into becoming a cat are considered holy ground, like a temple. So They've been doing this so long and to so many different races that they eventually said, screw it, and made a serum that can just turn any other alien into a cat. Wow. Yeah, creepy. Very Borg-like, like you said earlier. Even things from other galaxies that they've never seen before? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they can do it to anyone, I I think. Um, At least they've done it to the Angara, which we have proof of. They've done it to a Krogan in Mass Effect Andromeda. Mm-hmm. So they had obviously never came into contact with a Krogan before the Andromeda initiative arrived there. Sure. And yet the serum works on a Krogan. So mm-hmm. I don't see why it shouldn't work on any other race. Um, and, you know, they would kind of make a shitty neighbor, if you ask me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they want to come over and, like, you know, get with your stuff in a religious way. Mm. They're like, hey, you know, I really appreciate um, the color of your hair, or I really appreciate how broad your shoulders are. Serum. Now you're a cat. Uh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. No good. Cool. Thanks, man. Also, Um, I like your dog. (laughs) Cat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Your dog is now a cat dog. You got a cat pup. And and your your cat dog is now completely loyal to me and my cause. So yeah, um, except oh wait 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 the one the one difference there is like hey I like the size of your junk now a cat but no junk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now there's no junk. Now there's none. None. You they have no junk in the trunk whatsoever. Right, so that can't be. That's the one thing they can't assimilate you for. Is <laughs> the size of your junk. Yeah, I mean. They must not have any inclinations sexually whatsoever. Yeah. Because they, they like, don't. You get out of the shower really and they're like, oh, why is there a cat in my bathroom while I was in the shower? And then he's like, what's that for? And you're like, uh, nothing you need to worry t- about, buddy. And he's like, I'll tell you when you're older. And he's like, can't assimilate that. Never mind. And then he leaves. And you're like, okay, thanks. The, and, you know, it's like kind of an interesting conundrum because it's like how did they create a race how did mass effect writers create a race 
in which they don't reproduce at all sexually. Like, how is this race even alive now? Well, it um, must have been manufactured. Right. And the best idea that Andromeda Initiative researchers have as to why exaltation started is because there was some point in Ket history where their genetics stagnated for some reason and they could no longer reproduce naturally. Mm-hmm. And that's sexually or asexually. They sure. just couldn't reproduce naturally whatsoever. So this became a type of necessity. Um, and, and that being said, most, if not all, of cat biology is now taken from other species. Huh. That's pretty messed up. But I, I also would imagine that that lends itself to a really interesting evolutionary changes over time. Yeah, I mean, they would have the rightful title of melting pot because it's literally yeah. melting people's insides and making them cat. <laughs> right. But like, if are they carrying forward the genes from the people that they're, you know, exalting into them? And now if you have the cat expanding out into the universe and you have diverse groups of them moving apart, then given enough time and distance cat in different parts of the universe are going to be very distinctly different from each other in a very short span of yeah. time, depending on what other races they're coming into. You know, Interestingly, I think that they, they predicted this and they counteracted it with the serum, which is why I think the serum is, is standardized because the Angara who are injected with the serum appear not to be Angara at all. None of their genetic makeup is Angara anymore. It's all cat. The internal organs are cat. Yet they used to be Angara. Weird. So it's interesting because they pick and choose these specific genes that they de- that they deem beneficial, and that's the gene pool that they like welcome into their new gene pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they basically throw away everything else. So they're not stealing your dog. I I don't know. I mean. If I had a dog, my dog would be pretty awesome, and I feel like a cat would want my dog, uh, but he's not going to get a hold of my dog. Or I mean, it's some- not going to get a hold of my dog because the cat don't have genders. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that being said, almost all of the cat that we meet in Andromeda are, in fact, former Angara. Uh, almost all of them, except the upper echelons of cat leadership that we meet, like the Archon uh, and his lieutenant. While the vast majority of cat the player meets are quote-unquote chosen or quote-unquote anointed, all of them at at one point were Angara. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if the kit, uh, the cat, the kit, now I'm doing it. If the cat are a militaristic race, then this is basically like a free army. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's part of the reason that they do it. They've been at war with the Angara for decades now. And but, you know, let's get more into their history and how that war began after the break. Sounds good. And we've got a bunch of uh, reviews to do. So why don't we do that? Here we go. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. 
It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Are you into the cyberpunk tabletop games or excited for Cyberpunk 2077? Are you looking to brush up on the lore, stay up on all the latest news, and talk about the game when it comes out? Check out the Cyberpunk Lorecast, a show from Robots Radio with me, your host, Robots. We'll go over all the details you need to know about the world, characters, and story of Cyberpunk. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. All right. So here we are in the middle of the show. And first and foremost, we have to thank our patrons because you guys are freaking amazing. Thank you to all 36. Holy crap. How did we get 36 patrons? You guys are nuts. Um, and a special thanks to Sovereign and Stagger and Stumble, our tier five shepherds. There are two shepherds now. I don't know how that works. You might have to battle each other out. You know, maybe it's like there's, there can only be one, one true shepherd. I don't know how that works. You cut off the head of the other, you put it on a stake, then you get to be like, I'm the, the true shepherd. shepherd. Yeah, I'm the real one. Uh, don't don't actually murder each other. That would be a bad idea. But thank you to everybody who has supported the show. You guys are the best. We genuinely, genuinely appreciate it, all 36 of you. And next week, we will be getting together with our tier four and higher patrons to chat with you about Mass Effect. And we'll be dialing in the topic of the show actually this isn't even next week normally i say next week because it's a week away this this is on sunday because we're recording this currently on thursday so it's just a few days away at our normal time 9 p.m eastern time 6 p.m pacific on sunday night and that is let's, let's give you an actual day uh actual time or uh date the uh, 29th so if you are a tier 4 patron or tier 5 patron or would like to upgrade or sign up to join us, then feel free to do that because we'd love to chat with you. And if you aren't a patron and we've done anything at all to help you get through your day, help you appreciate the game, the any of these games more, help you drive to work or do your dishes or get through your workout or, um, you know, fall asleep at night because our voices are just so soothing, then, you know, please consider checking out patreon.com slash lorecast and tossing us a few bucks and seeing what you can get for it because we would love to give you some things. And if you have some other ideas, things you guys want, pitch us some ideas. We'd love to give you some more stuff. So we're always happy to, you know, take some things into consideration. So go check that out. And thanks again to all of our patrons. We also have some, what, five reviews? Holy moly. Five reviews, Sam. We have uh, Big Welch, who writes, uh, great show, five stars. Just found this podcast this week and have already binged it. Makes for great listening while I work and helps. Oh, there you go. While I, while I work and helps the day move by faster. Legend and robots banter back and forth is both informative and comedic at times, but not always. Not always, Sam. Sometimes we're not comedic. Um, <laughs> I know a lot about the Mass Effect universe for hours of playing the games, but still learn new things here. Would love to hear an episode on their thoughts of the original endings versus the extended sometime. That's an interesting idea. Easiest five star rating I've given. Now back to my calibrations. So that's awesome. Thank you so much, Big Welch. Um, then we have, we've got some others. I'm going to go my other screen. 
We have um, uh, E123456789098765432 from the United States of America who writes with great enthusiasm. This podcast is great. Five stars. Great chemistry between hosts. Love the comparisons between the real world and within the universe. On occasion, they might get a little too much into the real world and not enough into the lore, but that's only a minor issue. Glad I found it. Well, you know, sometimes we go off, but it's a podcast. That happens. We've been trying we've been trying to stick with things a little bit more. Haven't we? We've been doing a better job of that, right? Generally. Yeah. Yeah, we have. It's I huge. think so. Um, but then again, I'm a little biased on that. So <laughs> I think I'll defer to the uh <laughs> to the crowd on that one. It's usually my fault. I'll take the blame on that. Um, but thank you so much, E with a bunch of numbers after your name that range from one all the way back up and down to one again. And um we also have one from M Papa 24 in the U S who writes great show five stars. I love digging or I'm sorry. I love diving into the lore of mass effect. It's great to hear. There are others who seem to dive maybe a little too far down the rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, believe us. There are people that we know of who dive even further than we do. So, uh, yes, <laughs> then that's, thank you for the five star review. Then there's warlord Jojo from the United States who writes, this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel five stars. Found this podcast on Spotify and didn't realize that it was through Robots Radio Network, and I thoroughly enjoyed that Fallout Lorecast, and I am thoroughly enjoying this one. I've been in love with Mass Effect since I played it back in 2008, and I played all of them through, and I do prefer prefer the Destroy ending. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you, Warlord Lord Jojo. And yes, yeah, this is another one of those Robots Radio podcasts. There's a bunch of them. And we really do appreciate the review. So thank you for that. And one more, Peyton Wells from the U.S. writes, amazing, five stars, found this podcast looking for something Mass Effect related, and I love it. I've learned so much listening to it, and it's made a difference in how I see the playthroughs. 10 out of 10. That's like two five-star podcasts or five-star ratings all at the same time. That is amazing. Thank you, Peyton. And thank you to everybody who took the time to leave a rating and or a review and even just tell your friends about the show. Any of that kind of stuff help, helps a ton. Word of mouth is just the best kind of praise, help, advertising, any of that stuff. So thank you to everybody. Um, Sam, we've got one more thing to do in the middle of the show. That we do. I'm really looking forward to this part of the show. Yes, because we had a mysterious benefactor do a competition on our Discord, a poem competition, a limerick competition and we got a lot of really good limericks some really good ones limericks are just kind of good by default but we had some really good ones we had some really really good ones and the winner of this limerick competition will get to join us next week during the patron episode without even having to be a patron so very cool stuff and sam do you want to you want to do the you want to do the uh the fun part here Oh, do I have the honors? You okay. have the honors? So you want to, we should, we should read it and then we should name yes. the winner. That's the fun way to do yes. it. Yeah. So <clears throat> first the limerick, there once was a Krogan from Flett who lost his whole quad in a bet. The Vorcha had balls and they were too small, but they were the best he could get. <laughs> and that masterpiece comes to us from none other than our very own radio decks on the uh, discord 
if you're listening right now, Radio Dex, congratulations. If you're listening after the fact, congratulations. Send one of us a message and uh, we'll let you know what's going on with the uh, patron chat. Yes, Radio Dex, send me a DM and um, uh, also please, uh, there's lots of stuff going on. Send me a reminder too on Sunday and I will uh, share with you the the Zoom uh, link so you can join us in the chat Sunday night. And congratulations. This one is great. It hits the Mass Effect buttons. It's got that little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of spunk that you get in a limerick, you know, it's got that right kind of. Yeah, the Vorcha had balls. Spunk, it's maybe got, not the best terminology for that. Got but some yeah. spunk, yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's it's right there. It's good. Um, I like this. So congratulations. Thank you to our mysterious benefactor. And we look forward to having you guest on our show with us this weekend. This is going to be awesome. So congratulations. This is great. And from what I understand, we might be doing another one of these next month. So there will be some some more news about that. I don't know if it'll be another another limerick. It might be something else, but stay tuned. Because you might get another chance to be a guest on the patron episode without even having to be a patron. So, very cool stuff. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. Here we go. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right. And um, these were the winners decided by our mysterious benefactor. So this wasn't this wasn't up to me and Sam. This was totally up to our mysterious contributor. So um, if you feel like you can beat beat that limerick next time, if we do another another limerick competition, then start, I don't know, sharpening your pencil. I don't know what the phrase is for that, but, you know, get going. Get going. You're going to have another feeling the ink will. Yeah, whatever, whatever phrase you want to use. All right. So where were we? We um, so we've got this war, right? The war between the Angora and the Ket. Where did this start? How did this begin? Well, um, as is evident, I think, by their total disregard for the welfare of anything around them, the Ket aren't originally (laughs) from the Helios cluster. They don't even go here. Um, (laughs) Do you you even traverse the cluster i I can't even come up with a good joke for that these guys are total tourists um so yeah they're not from the helios cluster uh and to understand how they got into the conflict with the angara and why the angara were so vulnerable to them to start with we need to backpedal a little bit so several hundred years before the beginning of mass effect andromeda which i believe was 2818 of the current era the angara were a much more advanced spacefaring race and they had colonized numerous planets in the helios cluster and then the scourge came along the scourge might sound familiar to some of you because it's the dark energy storm in mass effect andromeda and it ruins electronics so that's exactly what it does to the Angara. It ruins all of their electronics and it sends them back to pre-industrial times, severing all contact they had between each of their worlds. Eventually, they rebuilt and they achieved spaceflight again. But when they reconnected with the Angara from other worlds, they quickly realized they had become very different. Religious beliefs diverged, hundreds of different languages developed, ideas on governance changed. I mean, you name it, right? This is likely the, the based on the concept of natural selection, evolution, and, and Darwin's finches. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, you separate two populations long enough. Right. And they become different. 
uh, like you had just mentioned in regards to the cat earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- Darwin's finches. I mean, that's that's a good way to put it. It's just kind of sounds funny, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like like Darwin's finches is the new uh, Disney movie coming out. <laughs> right. Or it sounds like it sounds like a '90s folk band is what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thanks for coming to the festival where Darwin's finches. Uh, thanks for being here, everybody. This this is our new tune called Space Traveler. If you like us, please sign the guest book with Lisa afterward. <laughs> <laughs> buy a t-shirt. About, buy a t-shirt. Um, wear, wear some beads and, and try our patchouli oil. <laughs> they're super into hard kombucha. Uh, <laughs> Which I feel like some of some of the people around me in Portland might take offense to if they listen to this. <laughs> but they, they're super into hard kombucha here. But um, this is important. So this 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 whole point about like severing contact between two populations, the two populations then becoming very different. Uh, this concept is very important to keep in mind in regards to the cat's conflict with Angara because the cat exploited these differences on purpose. The cat invaded the Helios cluster in about 2744. So about 74 years before the Nexus arrives in the Helios cluster. And of course, when the Angara first meet the cat, they try singing Kumbaya around a campfire, thinking (laughs) everything will be okay. We've read this really cool band. It's called Darwin's Finches. You guys want to sing along? (laughs) <laughs> their hit song is kumbaya <laughs> they did this really uh, cool cover of kumbaya <laughs> it's 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 nothing like you've heard before though it's, it's totally different rendition it's totally chill um, you're gonna love it <laughs> they, they think that everything's gonna be okay when they meet this race of bone coral clad aliens who assimilate ever they're like hey we noticed that none of you have reproductive organs that's not weird at all um (laughs) i'm sure we're all going to be friends here right how do you by the way how do you guys create more of yourselves dead um they're like they're like all all like chilling out at the campfire and they're like oh cool those guys don't have reproductive issues they're probably they're probably totally not chauvinist they should totally come hang out with us I, i bet they're totally chill yeah, they don't even have like genders at all. They don't even have genders at all. I bet they're I bet they're so cool to hang out with. They probably don't. I mean, we don't even have to worry about like pronouns or anything. And the the like, I bet that egalitarianism isn't like even an issue in their society. We're gonna get reviews, and they're gonna be like, "Those guys on that podcast are so uh, anti-liberal." <laughs> then we're gonna get <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever people want to say, like we're making Mass Effect jokes right now. You know, if 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 you can't take. You're gonna take those two seriously. Maybe sit this one out. I don't know. I don't know. We're already we've already gone off too far off the side of the, yes, the lore we, that we, we're gonna get complaints about that too. So okay, let's just keep going. Definitely. Um, sorry to those of you who just had to skip two minutes of dialogue. Uh, but yeah. the these cat, jokes are good, guys. These are good jokes. Yeah, these are landing. These are says these our are studio so audience. good. Come on, cat, have you ever been to Lilith cat, Fair? The cat would uh, definitely not be fans of these jokes because they have no sense of humor whatsoever. So they deceive the Angara and then they offer them gifts of friendship and and I imagine uh, physical gifts as well. But then they kidnap the leadership of different Angara worlds who were working on a unified government at the time. And the Angara then become splintered and start infighting. 
of course effective the cat play this they, they play them against each other they assassinate leadership they make peace deals with one faction ignore another and likely create rumors of rigged elections too so they're like vladimir putin yes yes they, the cat are very much like space uh, vladimir putin. the russian government under vladimir putin got it plausible deniability until it's too late and that's exactly what happens with the angara uh, by the time the Angara realize what's really going on, it's too late. The Ket have already exalted many of them. The Angara military and their fleet are destroyed. And it sounds also a lot like how the Reapers work organic races against each other in the Milky Way. Combat vet rights. But do they ride and wrestle bears? Yes. Of, no, they just... They just... <laughs> no, they exalt the bears. They exalt, they just exalt the bears. They don't have to ride and wrestle them. Um, they realized that they couldn't reproduce with the bears. <laughs> so they exalted them. Yeah, like Vladimir Putin would. Oh, my God. We're either going to get a um, a terrible review from Putin or the KGB is just going to come knock on my door, one or the other. Or the, they'll just, like, hack our IPs and then we can't do the show anymore. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm you know so what's sorry. funny? Speaking of Russia, this is kind of fourth wall breaking. I noticed that we were in the top 200 of Russia's shows for a, for a little while. They love us, and over I there. wonder if this is going to like result in us rising again in Russia. We were also after that Batarian episode, huh. we we skyrocketed in China, which was weird to me because we were talking massive shit about them. I think they like it when we do that. Maybe some <laughs> of the listeners do like it when we talk shit about the governments. Um, I wonder. Okay, so. <laughs> Other side note, Google has been working on ways of understanding uh, spoken language in things like podcasts so that it can actually crawl podcasts and things for keywords because it's, it's kind of the last realm of finding keywords for search is in video and audio content. So I wonder if in places like other countries, they're actually like getting better and better at doing that. And so by us mentioning places like China and Russia and things like that, that actually helps them find our show better in search. We can test that. Why don't we test that? Russia, 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 Russia. Watch, I'm going to get a Hulu for Russian stuff. Motherland, motherland, motherland. Yeah. All right. We will talk about the Mass Effect now. Glorious leader, glorious leader. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry to all listeners who are now disgruntled. Um, <laughs> after a while, uh, an organized Angaran resistance takes hold. And that's kind of inevitable. But this is the situation that the Pathfinder walks into uh, at the beginning of Mass Effect Andromeda. Okay. All right. So, sorry, I'm still thinking about <laughs> Russia. Okay, so um, let's go back to the beginning of the episode. You said that the Angara were very expressive, and both the Angara and Ket were spiritual and religious, right? Because of the whole, like, oh, we're going to assimilate you. Um, so what do we know about their cultures, though? Yeah, the Angara are known as being forthcoming and, and free with what they're thinking. Kind of like the opposite of how humans feel about Salarians. I'd guess that the Turians would get along with the Angarans, however, mm. because the uh, as we know, the, the Turians are very disciplined. However, they're straightforward. Um, the Ket, though, also bear some cultural resemblance to the Turians. Ket society is highly militaristic and stratified. 
to the point where names are used less often than titles. So this this doesn't mean that all individualism is is gone in their race, though. Even after exaltation, which hardwires the subject into um, you know being loyal to the cause, mm-hmm. some cat form factions against each other in the pursuit of dominance, no less. So they're um, not they're not they're not like completely biologically robotic. They're still right. they're not all the way in the Borg. Sector. Right. They're still like personhood individualism it's just kind of uh secondary to the collective right they've hardwired brainwashing into their subjects and yet there's still a little bit of like a contentious atmosphere even among those who are exalted um and speaking of factions it's somewhat surprising to me that the cat have close to no notable dissidents in their theocratic eugenic centric empire say that 10 times fast theocratic eugenic centric empire i can't i can't even say it twice it's a mouthful um and, and by the way i've seen some of the comments and in, in chat while we've been doing this and if you've been listening and you're already thinking that the, the cat might be a cheap carbon copy of all other sci-fi villains I personally regret to inform you that their homeworld, Sarhesan, is governed by a body called, wait for it, the Senate. Hmm. Hmm. What other sci-fi universes do we know where there's a bad empire governed by the Senate? Hmm. I mean, none, none, none. The Senate is always good. None that we can... None that we can mention without owing Disney money. The Senate is always good, right? I control the Senate. I am the Senate. I am the Senate. You gotta shake. <laughs> you gotta shake your jowls when you say yeah. that. A little bit Nixon-like. Um, but yes. speaking of the Senate, uh, Archons like the one commanding the detachment of Ket in the Helios cluster are are required to submit status reports to their Senate once every 15 years i don't really know what they'd say in the status report well we're still exalting the locals so yeah like oh nicely done keep being arrogant assholes over and out i just i exalted a cow recently it was really good uh exalted another cow also really good god please get the archon to stop talking about his exaltation of the wildlife (laughs) <laughs> right like why is larry only exalting wildlife it's just his thing man just let him exalt the wildlife we'll do the people he's just into the wildlife i don't know this just in senate members have turned a blind eye to exaltation <laughs> of non-sapient creatures <laughs> larry's just into the wildlife that's just his thing somebody has to do it i wonder if they'd care probably not if you could like prove that you were trying to still like it was all for the cause and that you're still a weird cult, like religious, mm-hmm. uh, condescending asshole to every other race in the universe. Yeah. Then maybe they, the cat would forgive you. Like, but yeah. Larry, why are you, why do you keep on, uh, why, what's with the cows? They have so many stomachs. You don't understand. It would be really beneficial. All right. They don't, they can all regurgitate right. food and then eat it again. I, I guess that is beneficial. You're right. All right, carry on. They're also like really chill. They're super chill. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, love, they love that one band that we went saw back in the day. 
Remember that Kumbaya song? <laughs> All right. Where were we? It's a nice callback. Uh, <laughs> the Angora, however, are, are much more communal. Uh, they're not, they don't live in like some theocratic nightmare. Um, they practice something called horizontal collectivism, which sounds like a nightmare. Wait, 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 wait. It's like the horizontal mamba collectivism. The horizontal collectivism is, uh, in fact, Darwin's Finch's first album. <laughs> that's the horizontal collectivism. That's like that's like if you have a like a sex cult. That's like what you call it, so that people don't know really, right I away that it's that a it sex was cult. called Nexium, <laughs> which is pretty close to Nexus. But you know, uh, welcome conspiracy to confirmed. You you open up the bead the bead drapes in front of the like red lit room, and you go. Welcome to the horizontal collectivism. And you hear all the moans and <laughs> stuff coming from. And <laughs> you know, weirdly enough, this is something that I could see the Angara actually doing. But in, in their political parlance, uh, horizontal collectivism means everyone has an equal say in governance. Mm. But the ultimate goal is for individuals to promote the greater good. So, the Codex says that crimes in Angaran society are punished according to the pervasiveness of their impact, meaning that if a crime only hurts oneself, the punishment is probably limited or non-existent. But if a crime hurts an entire family or a larger group, then the penalty is more severe. In this way, I think Angaran society sounds quite similar to Quarian society, the fleet above all else, right? Um, so very collectivist in that regard, and yet it's still democratic. Yeah, the, the difficulty with this kind of system, from a, actually speaking uh, seriously for a moment, from a moral standpoint, is judging harm. Like, that becomes the difficulty in these moral systems, is how do you actually judge harm? Right, right. And that's, of course, open to interpretation. Right. And given how splintered the Angaran population centers have been, I would imagine that their definitions of harm differ greatly mm -hmm. from one. And how do you judge uh, harm to the self? To you know, like some people would say, uh, doing something, uh, consuming a movie with a lot of violence is harming the self, yourself, even though you're not actually doing the violence. Watching a violent film actually harms yourself psychologically. And other people would say, well, it actually doesn't because you're not actually doing violence. You're just watching violence. Well, what do the scientific studies say about that? Right. Like that. That's a really tough thing to have to judge. Yeah. You know? So yeah. more conservative people would say, no, it, it really does harm you. It makes you more likely to do violence in the future. Some people would say, no, it actually doesn't make you do more likely to do violence in the future. It makes you less likely to do violence in the future because it makes you feel disgusted when you see violence. You know, th that kind of stuff is is highly debated in our own culture. So and yeah. that, that's probably why debate is so central to politics in Angaran society too. Mm -hmm. So in Angaran society, politicians, when they're running for election, they debate in like a town square type of um, atmosphere in an open atmosphere where they can be easily engaged with any uh, constituent who would challenge them. And they don't leave until there's like one left standing from debate. Wow. Yeah, that's right? like old Athens style, like city center debate type stuff. So the idea, I suppose, is that those with the most valid 
ideas that can withstand the most questioning mm-hmm. would be the ones who get elected. Right. Or, um, or who are just crazy enough to just stand there longer. Right. Or the ones with an insane amount of endurance because they're just fucking deluded or something. Right. Know. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, it, and you know, the, the, there was another quote that I wanted to start off with the Angara for, and it's because it's just as equally relevant. But the quote is, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, I'm sure almost all of us have heard this quote before. Mm -hmm. It it also applies very much to the Angara, uh, because the Angara don't think of themselves as having just one mother and father, uh, though biologically they, they definitely do. They share their parents with the community. So when you share your parents with the community in Angaran culture, you're you you say that you have multiple parents, you have multiple mothers, fathers, because it's a it's like the village raised me, not just my parents, you know. Right, right. Also sounds very kumbaya. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Darwin's <laughs> Darwin's Finches. Finches. Dropping their latest DP. Oh man. Uh, oh man. And you know, this isn't to say that some of the qualities that of what we refer to as Western individualism aren't present in Angaran culture because they still have individual freedoms, egalitarian politics, and apparently private property too. Mm -hmm. When it comes to religion, however, you asked about uh, the religion. Yeah. Yeah. The Ket may have their creepy pursuit of genetic godhood. Right. Uh, But the Angara are way more Zen. (laughs) The Angara are taught from a very young age to follow their family's spiritual traditions sounds familiar to me, uh, which often involve worshiping any variety of gods. Okay. The Angara are also huge proponents of meditation, contemplation, and enlightenment through reincarnation. They believe that a soul is reborn after death, but it always stays within the family. Do you know of any you know real huh. world religions like this that, uh, that add that specific caveat i uh i'm not aware of any specifically i mean this is very hindu ish uh this idea of the worship of any variety of gods um many hindu believe that uh just because you might worship a different god than them doesn't mean you're wrong it also doesn't mean that that god does does or doesn't exist um and they're, they're not offended by the idea that you would even mention a god that they'd never heard of before that's they don't that's fine they just be like oh that's cool you have some other god that's you know they they if there could be infinite gods they're okay with that idea it doesn't matter um the idea of reincarnation only within the family uh, nothing comes to mind off the top of my head of any group that specifically believes that i think that there's some problematic things with that idea because yeah what if someone isn't born every time someone dies? Sure. Yeah. There's, there's like a limited stockpile of potential, uh, children. Right. Also, it means that every time you give birth to a children, you're also giving birth to an ancestor. Right. Hi, like, granddad. Right. Which ancestor <laughs> am I giving birth to? And how many, how many ancestors is that person also? Like, is this my grandfather and also my great, great, great grandfather and also my uncle right. at the same time? Like, is there a backlog of dead people that need to be reborn? I don't, this is, these are valid questions, I think. But. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. It's an interesting mix of stuff. However, there probably is a backlog of, of dead people in, in Garan society because they're typically known to have very large families. Um, mm-hmm. Having 18 siblings, 
pretty average in right. Angaran society. It also creates that an makes sense. issue if you have a population explosion. Like if all of a sudden you go from a population of like a million people to a population of a billion people, where do those extra souls come from? Right. Where are the new souls coming from? Um, you know what? My guess, the cows who liked Darwin's finches. <laughs> They have ascended. <laughs> moved their way up. They were such good They've, cows. They moved their way they up. They moved their way up. They just, and now oh. that they now they're granted the uh yeah. the, the the chance to become an Angara. Yeah, they've been milking that relationship family. with the family in order to move their way up. <laughs> uh the the and you know, like we're we're poking fun at this idea, but it is a kind of unique idea, I think, in terms of religion. And it makes sense with the Angara specifically because they went through two huge uh, events in their history relatively recently. Several hundred years ago, all of their empire just got stricken back to the pre-industrial age, right? So yeah. I wonder how many Angara died from that probably more than were born right mm -hmm. they probably saw massive population declines so maybe that's how this proliferation of a reincarnation within the family existed i'm not sure well it also brings you comfort oftentimes when uh, a society goes through some sort of cataclysmic event they become more conservative they they tie back to the religious um uh, roots and they find comfort yeah. in those kinds of things in order to you know kind of pull together and make it through there is some like a little bit of a, a hint that the reincarnation is actually happening in mass effect andromeda because one of the uh resistance fighters of a different faction in the angara who you meet apparently there's some evidence that his claims to being reincarnated are true and i forget exactly the science behind it in game but i do remember that they that the scientists and the researchers who were with the initiative had said we're going to need to study this a little further because this is actually pretty interesting they kind of hint um, at it yeah right and like that's always fun in a sci-fi like setting right like what if reincarnation or something that this spiritual thing that we've totally thought was uh you know like woo woo bullshit what if it's actually true right you oh, know there's some hints um, of this being real maybe we need to actually take take a look at it yeah that's right. fun. Yeah, that's fun. And by the way, anyone that believes in reincarnation, I'm not I'm not saying that you believe in woo-woo bullshit. I'm I am saying though that the scientists in sci-fi games do consider those ideas to be woo-woo bullshit well, most and, of the time. And most scientists in our own reality also think of that as being something that belongs in the realm of the religious and is something that we can't actually prove. So Right. You, right. I mean, how do you test you can't really test for that. It's very hard to uh it's it's very hard to, to create a double blind study that can test for something like reincarnation. You can't. You, <laughs> right. It's well, the realm any, testing anything after it, death. It's the realm of, of faith. It's not the realm of science. It's something we can't really design a test for. So, yeah, yeah. Um, um the Angara. Uh, just like one. Like we only have like pretty much two more details to talk about them. Um, mm -hmm. because there's not a lot actually out there about the Angara and the Ket. Because there was only one game put out where they were featured. And I think if there were more games like the Mass Effect uh, original trilogy, uh, if there were more games, if there was an actual trilogy of Andromeda games, we probably would have more lore to talk about with the Angara. But as it stands, 
the only thing else that I can really offer our audience is that, you know, most Angara believe that good acts in one's lifetime will help them become more enlightened in the next. The types of acts valued are different across families. Some families revere acts of heroism. Some revere acts of compassion more. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Well, cool stuff. Um, yeah, these are these are interesting. The one thing that really stands out to me about these two races that I think is kind of novel for a new, uh, an, an, I don't know. It's it's the end of a trilogy. It's the beginning of a new thing in the series for Mass Effect, right? And we're getting these new races in a new uh, galaxy, far, far away. Is that none of them are set up to be like the sexy one <laughs> you know in a series where you have like sexy aliens like that's that was always a thing with mass effect right like so many so many of the character models so many of the different races were, were designed to be like the sexy one and then you have like the badass the looking Krogan, ones yeah. and then you have like yeah the krogans are clearly oh, yeah. clearly the sexy ones um but like you know what I'm saying? Like they're they're clearly designed among those like the sci-fi tropes of like okay these are the sexy ones these are the really badass ones these are the ugly ones these are like you've got kind of some of that going on in the first trilogy in this one you don't you have just like these guys are weird and funny colors and these guys look like they were under the sea and either made out of coral or rocks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> it. Although you can romance an Angara in Mass Effect Andromeda, you can do that. Yeah, but they're not um, particularly attractive looking. Right. Like, even humans. when I was role playing in Mass Effect, I was like, no, I'll pass. Thanks, though. Yeah, no. But like a lot of a lot of the races in you know, yeah. the first three were designed to be attractive to humans, you know, by design, you know, from outside the game, you know, from the minds of the designers. Yeah. And I think making the cat genderless and making them not able to reproduce whatsoever and therefore taking the entire uh, element of sexuality out of their culture entirely. Right. Yeah. Taking that out makes them even less relatable yeah. for humans. And, and, and it's and like I wanted to mention that the cat aren't relatable, really. They're right. not. Um, right. There's not a lot that's given to them in the game that makes you think this is a race, like an, a whole race of people. Instead, the players kind of left with this is bad guys. Like th these are these are the bad guys. These are the stereotypical bad guys. There's no gray area here. Um, there's no like little itty bitty details that serve to humanize them. Uh, right. Like right. seeing emails from one cat to another. That's like, man, I really miss this mom soup from back home. You right. know what I mean? Or what's like, up with Larry? He used to be with my group. He's with your group. You know, have you noticed this thing with cows? Yeah, exactly. No concern for another cat. Right. Um, right. There's really none of that. Yeah. Uh, hey, I just downloaded the downloaded the Darwin's Finch's new album. I thought maybe you'd want a copy. Here you go. Why? I saw that you read my message. Why didn't you reply? Um, <laughs> did I? What did I upset you? Did I upset um, you. <laughs> and and actually, I forgot to mention when we were discussing how the cat were similar to the Turians. The cat also have vassal races. Um, like client races and we know of three of them although they have at least a dozen and some of these details are really really cool so if you've listened to this far consider it a little reward because <laughs> i had i had never heard of these until researching for this episode and 
the three races are the Ialan, the Sirin, the Sirinde, and the Thusali. The Ialan, one of the Ket's vassal races, are a race that have been exalted past viable population. So they now have become nomads who document and share knowledge. Hmm. That's the Ialan. The Sirinde, uh, one of the Ket's other vassal races, possibly translates to, quote, eat their dead with reverence. Nice. Whoa. Whoa. What the fuck? What? <laughs> they are religious cannibals, apparently, the Serenday, and uh, have genetically poisoned themselves to stop the exaltation process. And because of the genetic poison that they've done throughout their entire population, they are now too dependent on Ket neuroscience to survive. Hmm. That's, yeah opening them up to exploitation uh, surely uh-huh. and the thusali this is kind of a lame one to be honest um, <laughs> the, the thusali are one, another one of the vassal races and they once worshipped the remnant the remnant are the machines who the jardan left behind to guard their creation or to gu- to guard their uh, their their buildings their foundations their facilities that were repositories of knowledge okay. but the remnant are not sentient which is why we did not include them on this episode right right. uh the remnant are very clearly just machines well yeah you know i liked i liked the idea of going into another galaxy i just it's i feel like there should have been more races like more stuff you know like Give me more stuff. It was the little details. I mean, it, it really was. It was the little details, like the the little emails you'd find left behind from one Asari to a Salarian, yeah. or one or the Krogan reciting poetry, love poetry to the Asari. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those little details help to fill out the universe. That's well. It's, a, it's help, always the little details that make the lore feel real. It the, the make yes. the world feel lived in. And you, yes. you don't always appreciate that stuff the first playthrough as much as you do when you go back later. And you take your time and you notice that stuff, but you, it, even if you don't notice it and take the time to read it, it subconsciously fills the game out and makes it feel more like a real place. Otherwise it's, it's like walking down. It's imagine this, imagine you were playing a shooter, a first person shooter, and you walk down a hallway and they decided not to decorate the hallway with like pictures on the walls and chairs at the desks and things like that. Right. It was just a bunch of boxes, you know, like, yeah, it would still function the same, but if you put in all the stuff in the room, now it actually feels like a place people are, were at before the monster right. showed up. Right. <laughs> like that actually feels like, Oh, there was, there were people here and then the monsters showed up. Like, are you right. going to interact with the picture on the desk? Probably not. Are you going to sit in the chair? No, but in, you're not you know it's not interesting to walk down a room full of box shapes yeah you ever go to a buddy's house who maybe just moved into a new apartment and he doesn't have anything that would indicate (laughs) that anyone actually lives there yeah yeah there's something like the human brain goes this is not a place humans are (laughs) right this is wrong with this yes this looks like it was set up to look like somewhere but it's not right but we do the same thing with like story and lore and there's that like the little signal that goes off in your brain is like people this is not a real place and you know i think that this is a trend that games are going toward um the attention to detail was so evident in older games uh like 
Morrowind, Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I noticed it, it got a little bit away from that in Skyrim. Not too much. Got a little bit away from that. And then, of course, because it's an MMO and it's just not feasible with ESO when it came out, there was so much less of that. But they, because they started it adding it back. That's they did. They really. That's where they've corrected. Yeah, they 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 got that feedback from people, and they've done so much more of that now. In fact, the amount of lore and the amount of extra little storybooks and, and the other things, the majority of Elder Scrolls. And, hey, I do I do the Elder. I just did the Elder Scrolls lore cast, you know, an hour ago before we did this show tonight. Um, the the majority of the Elder Scrolls lore now comes from the Elder Scrolls Online because that game is now seven years, six years old, actually seven in development. Well. Wow, they've written that much for it, huh? Yeah, I mean, every year they come out with a a major expansion at this point. There are, I I did this on the quiz show that I'm going to release. I I had um, my co-host Lotus of Doom and then Aramithius, who does the Written Uncertain podcast for QuakeCon. We got to do a show. I did a quiz show between the two of them, asked them a bunch of lore and then also game questions. And one of the quiz questions was, how many individual zones are there in Elder Scrolls Online? Like actual gameplay zones that you can go in. Do you have any idea? Any any guesses? So like the original game launched with like four main zones for each and then like a final zone for each of the three factions. So you could say that there were like 15 zones plus Cyrodiil, which was like the big PvP zone. Are we considering each dungeon to be a zone or no? No, a dungeon isn't like an actual like okay. open world zone. So you could say that so... like there were there were roughly 15 and then starting zones would have been like 18 zones in the original release of the game So I want to say that there's probably like 30 now. Yeah, there's like 38 Wow 30 that's crazy freaking zones in that game that like that is huge It is gigantic and I know this is neither here nor there for our uh, Mass Effect fans who aren't into Elder Scrolls but like the, the sheer amount of lore content the amount of books that you can read the little letters that are left on desks, like all of that stuff is just immense. Like there's just tons of that stuff now. Um, so it, yeah, it, it's way more filled out than it was before. Yeah. Well, um, I'm hoping, I'm really desperately hoping that Bioware does not go the route of MMO because I don't think that it would work for Mass Effect. I don't know why. I just, maybe it's because Mass Effect is so centered on the fact that your choices matter. And and I think Bioware tried that a little bit with Swator, right? With uh, Star Wars, the older problem. Sweater, yeah. Sweater. I like to call it sweater. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure if it worked out that well for them. I mean, it was okay for what it was. And some people really loved it and some people didn't. And I think it worked for right. a time. Um, but the MMO formula has to be different now. If you're going to launch an MMO, it has to be a little bit different. But what people loved about Mass Effect was it was, it was a... It is that original trilogy is up there with the top single player role play, play through a story, affect the ending, um, romance a character or 12, you know, like whatever, you know, like play a game how you want to affect the story, make it your own role play experiences in a universe that's interesting and has and feels gigantic. Like, that's that's what you want in a role play game. That's what you want. You want it to feel like it's your experience. And when you talk to somebody else, you can say, oh, that's what happened in your game. Let me tell you about what happened in my game. And you can like, especially in your first playthrough. 
I didn't realize that you could do that when that thing happened. That's what that's oh that led to this other thing happening in your game. Mm. That person can yeah. die. I didn't know that. Like you have those kinds of conversations because your experience feels so canon to you that it feels like that must be the only way that that could have happened, right? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. And that and that's what's so magical about that experience. And if they're going to when they do more of these, that's what they need to capture. And if they don't capture that, then the fan base is going to be sad. Um, I don't know that you can quite capture that with an MMO. An MMO is built for capturing different kinds of things. And uh, that's not what the fan base for Mass Effect really wants. So I, I agree. Uh, you could do a Mass Effect MMO, but it needs to capture different things. And I would still recommend doing a single player Mass Effect experience for the core fan base to give them the things they really want. Yeah, you would have yeah. to do both. And you you uh, you really nailed it there. You said you know that you that each fan needs to feel like their experience was canon. Yeah, and like my shepherd that, is I, the shepherd, and right. my shepherd is me. All right. at the same time, exactly. Yeah. That's why people loved the original trilogy so much. I think that's also why people were disconnected with Andromeda so much because Ryder didn't really feel like it was you as the player i'm not sure why because he was um, a middle but, schooler or she or she <laughs> because yeah, yeah <laughs> because Ryder has the proportions of a of a of a growing person of a 13 year old um, uh growing child yes <laughs> but there was also not a lot of plain lore you know to the andromeda one they had a blank slate kind of to choose from and they gave us i'm kind of ranting here and I think my own bias toward Andromeda is coming through, but they, the writers kind of gave us this milk toast carbon copy of a lot of different sci-fi tropes in the form of the cat mm-hmm. in the form of um, having five planets. There were only like really five planets, I think in Andromeda that you could explore. And yet you're told that you're going to a brand new galaxy. Right. Right. And you talk to so many of so many different mass effect fans and you get the idea that one of the best uh most attractive prospects of the game to them at least at first was hey you can go all around the galaxy and like you can see this planet you can see this planet this climate this climate Mm. i mean it really wasn't there in andromeda that's not to say the gameplay wasn't great it was mass effect one when you actually get to like the story missions isn't really that big there's only there's only a few places you really go. I mean, you can go investigate other planets, but there's really not that whole lot to do in one. Two, however, felt really big. Two was massive. Two was great, like especially when you do the companion quests. Like you lose yourself playing through two because you go do story missions, you go do companion quests, you go do another story mission, you go do another companion quest, another companion quest, you do a story mission. You just end up all over the galaxy. You're just on multiple different planets all over the place. And that that's the experience they needed to to bring into a new galaxy. You needed to kind of lose yourself in the galaxy and feel like I don't know where I am anymore. I've been to like two dozen places at this point and uh, oh, now I have to go back to this place. I remember this place now. This was the place that was where this thing happened. Oh, and now this is what's happening here. Oh, gosh, that was like. 20 hours ago holy crap okay like you need to lose yourself so, in that it needs to feel like feel like a yeah. forest of stuff 
And it, it's yeah. so shitty because they 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 so they nailed some parts of Andromeda so well. They did like the customization of the the uh, external vehicle. I forget what it's called. The Nomad, I think. The customization of that, the customization of the weapons, your character. It was all really awesome, and I loved that uh, RPG element that they really brought back. Um, but they it was overshadowed by a lack of, I think, writing. I mean, it, it looked like that they had diverted more resources to gameplay developers than mm-hmm. they did story writers. Yeah. Yeah, and they probably did. And, you know, Bioware has had issues with uh, the, ch- the, you know, changeover and, and stuff like that during that time. So um, that's probably what it was. But yeah. hopefully they've got that stuff settled and, you know, we'll get something else for Mass Effect 4. And, you know, there, it doesn't mean that you can't, you know, retool a studio in order to bring the right people on board in order to make a game because there are a lot of people out there you know a a studio is only as good as the talent you hire to make the things right and there are a lot of great developers out there you could hire to manage a team to work on a game and to bring together and if you put the right people together and you put the budget together there's no reason you can't build a great game there are a lot of people out there with the experience and the know-how to do it you just have to prioritize it and then give them the freedom and the time to do what they do best. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think that's pretty much all we got uh, for this episode. Next week, we got the patron chat or not even next week. Yeah. Sunday in a few days. So um, we look forward to seeing you guys on Sunday. Uh, Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, Thanks for, you know, hanging out with our silliness and then also the, um, the seriousness as well, because we do both. And, uh, you got anything else going on, Sam? Anything else you want to talk about before we go? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I was planning to stream some Mass Effect. Uh, if not tonight, then maybe tomorrow. Um, and if not tomorrow, then definitely before the patron chat, because I'm still on Mass Effect 3. And I'm trying to get through it. Um, a little part of me is like not wanting to get through it because then it's over, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I've always had that kind of dilemma with this game, but I am going to get through it. And then I am going to play Mass Effect Andromeda and I'm going to stream that one as well. Um, so for any Andromeda fans out there who may have thought, well, Sam's not validating Andromeda lore. Uh, no, it, it's, it's very much canon. Um, so I'm, and I'm definitely still planning to play it in my playthrough. So um, yeah, of course, in seven, the legend on Twitch in seven, the legend on Twitter as well. Awesome. Yeah, go check out Sam's streams. Uh, you know where to find me, robotsradio.net. Lots of different podcasts, lots of different lore casts about all these different RPG games. And you can always catch me on twitch.tv slash robotsradio. That's where we do this show. That's where I stream games when I get the chance to. And uh, I've got all sorts of other stuff going on. You can always reach out to me also on Twitter at robots underscore radio. And let us know what you think about Mass Effect or just say hi on our Discord. Just look up the Robots Radio Discord. It's also in the show notes. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. See you on Sunday. And have a great rest of the week, I guess, until we see you again very soon. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Hey there. 
My name is Jameson, or Big Cat. And I am Brenna, or Mother Goose. And together, we are the hosts of the DL Weekly Gaming News. Each week, we bring you the top stories from last week, as well as something you might have missed. Our goal is to start a conversation about what's going on in the world of gaming. And every week, we have a special guest join us in the chat room, where we discuss a different gaming-related topic and learn more about our guests in the 60-second download. And if that isn't enough, we also have Slim Jims. So come and hang out with us every week and join in on the conversation. Good luck and have fun, everybody. And remember, keep your goose loose. Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And we're on the Robots Radio Network. So if you're into Dungeons & Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.